0: It says something very unusual, very interesting, okay? So, this is a prophetic word about the end times. And right in the midst of this, it says in verse 8: In that day, the Lord will defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. The one who is feeble among them in that day will be like David, and the house of David shall be like God, like the angel of the Lord before them. This is an incredible scripture and uh, before i go into the part about david it says the house of david shall be like god so basically this is a prophetic scripture that talks about the end times anybody think we're in the end times today right and it says that in the end something is going to be so transformative something that is going to take place that it's going to cause the house of god right I mean the house of David to be like god it's it's talking about a perfection of the church, a beautification of the bride that there's coming a time when the church will not just be uh, not be weak, it will not be fractured, but it will be glorious. Amen if anybody here is feeling a little bit down about the church please you're you are being trained for the ministry. You have to have in the seed of your heart a vision for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that is that is forward, That is that God is going to do something, that God is doing something in the earth, and it's going to happen through the church. The church is going to become more and more and more and more glorious, more and more beautiful. Of course, there's going to be There's going to be those who will fall away. There's going to be things that will happen that will be discouraging. But we, as those who are called into the ministry, have to keep a very clear-eyed vision about what God is doing in His people, in the bride of Christ, because He's going to come come down someday soon, and He's going to be united with this beautiful bride that will bring Him glory. Amen? So that's what this scripture is saying, It's saying that the house of David... Will be like God. It will reflect Him so much that when people see the bride, see the church, she will be glorious. But it also says that the feeble among them in that day will be like David. Well, that's a pretty amazing statement when you think about it. It's saying that that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in the last days, there's going to be such an elevation of the work of the Holy Spirit among us that those of us who are feeble, those of us who are common, those of us who are weak in the body of Christ will rise to a place of strength. We will take on the characteristics of King David. Now, of course, This prophetic word was written before Jesus came, right? So it's basically saying that for those of us in Israel, who do we adore? Who do we look at as being the the greatest leader of of our nation's history? And they were looking at King David. Now, as Bible school students, I could ask you, what are some of the things that you think A person who is like David might, some attributes that that a person who's like David might have. Anybody have something they like to say? Person after God's heart. What else? Yes? What is it? Worshipper. Very good. What else? Courageous. That's what I I like a lot of people think of courageous. How about you, Aaron? A warrior. That's true. Anything else? I didn't hear it. Humility. Those are all... Really, really good. I'm going to take you into a place where I'm going to see a part, you're going to see a part of David that maybe you've not really seen or thought about that much before. I am going to touch on, on courage as well. There are two things basically that I feel like you, as, as, as I'm, uh, you know, I was sitting in your seat 40 years ago, and for people to come and say to us from, from their experience and say, you know These are the things that you guys really need to be equipped in. These are the things that you guys really need to be aware of because you're going to be propelled into a place of ministry and you don't want to be ignorant. You want to be as well prepared as possible. And I'm looking back at 40 years, but I'm also looking, back at, looking at our generation today. And I believe these two things I'm going to talk to you about are so, so, so needed for each one of you. Okay? And the first thing that I'm going to talk about Is actually something that you might not have thought about. And you didn't even say it. Among the things that you had mentioned about David. But David was a loyal person. Loyalty. Is something that God. Demands of his people. Especially those who serve him. And it's not necessarily a very popular subject. It's not a topic that's talked about a whole lot. Because really it's not that sexy. It's not that. It's, it doesn't have this like, wow, kind of a thing about it. Oh, yeah, I just want to be loyal. In fact, even when we talk about loyalty, a lot of times we're not talking about loyalty to each other. We're talking about loyalty to God. In the church today, conversation about loyalty is, is, is very seldom mentioned. Unless, of course, you happen to be Bob Sorge, who also came out of Elam Bible Institute, and, 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 and who was my teacher. And he wrote a book on loyalty. It's an amazing book. Okay, great book. But really, loyalty is not a subject that's talked about that much. In fact, loyalty is not something that is a part that, of a defining part of your generation. In fact, I would even put it in the other way. I would say that, that people of your generation really, when you think about it, they're not very committed to very many things. That's a reality. It's you as a people. You've you been raised in, a, in an environment that doesn't nurture a loyal heart. If something's uncomfortable, if, you, if you're frustrated about a relationship you're in, if you're, you don't like your job, if, you know, all of these things, they, immediately what people do is they flee, they get out. They, you know, they just go somewhere else. I, I mean, it's quite amazing when I think about it. My own father, okay? My father graduated from college and he worked the same job for 44 years until he retired. That doesn't happen hardly any anymore. I mean people switch back and forth. They switch careers. They switch jobs. They, 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 you know, It's amazing how generations have changed. But you live in a generation where. There are so many choices that are out there. When If you don't like something. You just go do something else. You don't like someone. You just go somewhere else. But that's not the way it should be. We as the, as the people of God. Especially those who serve the Lord. If we're going to be like David, we're going to have a loyal heart. So David was loyal to the core. All inside of him. In fact, he says in Psalm 15 verse 4, he says this. He says, that he who truly fears the Lord keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change his mind. That's loyalty. Loyalty. When you have an oath to somebody, I'm going to keep that oath. I'm going to keep it even though it hurts me. That's not a very popular message in a day and age where people think about themselves. What's good for me? You know, I don't care what's good for you. But David's mentality, his thinking was, no, what is good for you is my first thought. I'm going to look at it from a few different examples of his life. But the first one I want to talk about is to consider his loyalty to King Saul. This is remarkable. When you think about it, King Saul literally was trying to kill him for years. He was obsessed with the idea that David was still alive. And he, he, he had like his, his army, 3,000 people, going all throughout the countryside trying to kill him. He tried to stab him twice and threw spears at him right twice. Uh, and and fortunately he missed and yet david continued to stay loyal to saul think about it would you could you right if somebody that you were under in leadership if they if they were so hostile against you where would you be in this in this picture right You'd go find another king. I mean, you'd go find another ruler, right? You'd go find some. But David left us with, with this very, you know, when we talk about being like David, we have to think about what he was really like in life. What, what was his, his principles? What, was, what, was his, what were the attitudes of his heart that caused somebody to be able to say, like on two occasions, he said basically the same thing. He says, I will never lift My hand against the Lord's anointed. In fact, he prefaced it by saying, Far be it from me. In other words, this kind of an idea isn't even possible in my worldview, it's far from me, it's it's not within the framework of who I am. And so he, he was not, allow, he didn't allow himself to go to that place that said, I'm going to retaliate against this person who has been bad to me. Okay? And, and so this kind of a, of, a, of a commitment, this kind of a devotion is something that God is looking for in his servants today. Okay? Few people seem to understand actually that David, what David did as a leader, okay, he was earning the right... One day to have loyal followers. Consider that. A person who is loyal to his leaders is earning the right one day to have loyal followers. Now, part of this is because we reap what we sow. That's just the principle, right? If you sow, if you reap, no, you sow loyalty, you will reap loyalty. But it also means that he inspired people by what he did. You realize um, if you go to First uh, Samuel chapter 22, you see where, where David fled to a cave, the cave of Adullam. And when he fled to this cave, um, if, in verse 1 it says, he departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down to him there. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was disc- discontented gathered to him. The three D's. The distressed ones, the indebted ones, and the discontented ones. I mean, this was a motley crew. This was, this was a group of people who had bad problems. And, you know, it was kind of like, let's commiserate together with everybody else who's having problems in life. I mean, if that's not bad enough... They're having to live together, 400 people living together in a cave. So, you think about that. You know, you're going to argue about who's got the best rock to sleep on. But these people fled to David because they saw something in David, right? And not only that, you think about it, all of these guys are in the cave, and one day Saul comes into the cave to go to the bathroom. And they're all thinking, the perfect opportunity has come, right? Now he can kill Saul. He's been trying to kill him all these years. David cuts off a little piece of his robe, and he feels horrible about it, right? It's not like he can't even put his hand to his clothes and and tear a piece of clothes and feel good. Because he departed from his principle. He wasn't honoring this man. It's amazing, isn't it? But the other side of that is that all of these people who were in the cave with him saw with their own eyes what a man of God looked like. A man of God was not going to be disloyal under any circumstance. Because it was his in his heart. He was loyal to the core. And you know what? This inspired and awakened the potential of the people that were, in, or, that were in that cave with him. Those people that were in that cave with him, they followed him to the death. He took that group of people who were in debt, who were discontented, they were discouraged, they were depressed, they were... They they had the whole shebang. They had everything. They had been rejected by people, and they'd found in, in David this this guy who at least would take them in. And then he trained them to become one of the greatest forces ever known to man. I mean, that group of people destroyed armies of tens of thousands of people. You understand they did there was something about what he was able to shape and mold in them because they saw in him somebody who was yes he was a warrior yes he was courageous but this thing about being loyal stuck with them because these people would be loyal to David to death i mean you think about it in um 2nd samuel verse 23 you have this list of all of these uh these people that David had in his army the the 30 and the the three the three that were uh, you know, especially above the rest of them, and you know, people who killed eight hundred people against one, people who killed three hundred people against one, a, a guy that that stood in a lentil field, you know, with a with a jawbone of a, of a donkey, and and just you know was, was going around and 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 killing people. It's amazing what loyalty can inspire. When they saw loyalty in David, they were loyal in return. There's this amazing story actually in the same chapter in 2 Samuel 23 uh, where it talks about how one day David was, was with his men and he had this longing. He said, oh, I really I wish I could have a drink of water from the well in Bethlehem. He was raised in Bethlehem. He knew the well water there. He was, you know... Probably drank from it quite often. But the problem was is the Philistine army was occupying Bethlehem. And he wasn't saying, oh, right now I want to have a drink of water. right? He was, just, he was saying that, oh, this, that someday we would be able to take back the city, the place where I was raised, Bethlehem. And it could be ours again. And then I could drink from the well. But the, the men who heard him were so struck in their own hearts. You know what they did? They broke through the Philistine Um, defenses and went right through the wall, right into the city of of Bethlehem to get water for David and brought it back to him. Why would they do that? Because they mimicked, they emulated the loyalty of David, amen? Loyalty is not a small thing in the body of Christ. We live in a day and age when people are not loyal. But God says in the last days we will be like David. And we will be like David because we will be more loyal. We will be loyal like David. Amen? You can say amen today. But you'll be tested in this. Your loyalty will be tested. But I doubt that anybody will probably test you as badly and as much as Saul did David. (laughs) You know... David was loyal to his family. You just read, we just read here where he says that, you know, his family also fled to him in the cave. But David's family wasn't nice to him. You think about his own father, right? When the, when the man of God comes into town, his own father doesn't even receive him, doesn't even invite him to come. He's out watching the sheep. That's got to hurt, Right? If you're David, all the rest of your seven brothers, they all get to go see the man of God. They all get the... But, but David is left behind. And it's not like they didn't have other people to watch the sheep. Because in, the, in chapter 17, it says that somebody watched the sheep while David was sent to go and, and take some, some victuals, some food uh, to his brothers on the, front the, or on, the, on, the, on the battle lines. So it's not like there wasn't anybody else around. How about David's brothers? When they went to the battle line, what did they do? They mocked him. They said, who do you think you are? You're just a little runt. You shouldn't be out here. You're just trying to, you know, make a name for yourself. They mocked him. But David was loyal to his family, despite the fact that they didn't treat him very well. Amen? As soon as his parents came into the the, the cave, he, he, he said, oh, you're here. And he made sure that they would be in a place of safety. And he took them. Out to the land of Moab. And to a king there. And he settled his own family in a place of safety. Isn't that beautiful? Maybe you need to be more loyal to your family even though they've not been loyal to you. Maybe God is speaking to some of us here today. Because I tell you what. Your loyalty will be tested. It will be tested by your leaders. It will be tested by your family. It will be tested by your friendships. Last night, I spent the night with a, a brother that I sat here 40 years together with, 40 years ago. And uh, Eric Taylor has always been an example to me of loyalty. I remember when we were students here, and a friend in Vermont would have a problem. He would drive back all night to be in Vermont to be with his friend when he was in trouble. There are many cases over his over his, uh over the years that he's been an example to me of loyalty. Last night he was talking to me uh, about, because I've been gone, I've been overseas, I haven't seen him a whole lot, but he told me that his parents divorced when he was young, that his father was dying of cancer, I uh, think it was about six years ago. And he, he gave up his work, and he flew down, and he, he rented an apartment in Houston, Texas, So that he could be near his father. For 18 months. He drove an hour one way. And an hour back. uh, Every day. To spend time with his father. Because he had cancer. And he was at the last stage of his life. After that. He was. um, About to die. Two weeks before he died. He gets a call from his mother. His mother says. I've got uh, stage four cancer. So what does he do? His father dies, he puts him into the grave, he, he buries him, he honors him. Then he, he moves in with his mom and spends three years with his mom, serving her. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, how many people do that these days, right? How many people really, really understand the value and the principle of loyalty, David understood it. He had a a friend by the name of Jonathan, right? He had a covenant with Jonathan. And that covenant was to the death. In fact, these were the words they spoke to each other as they had a bond that they formed. They said, whatever you yourself desire, I will do it for you. Isn't that amazing? You think about the loyalty of that kind of a statement that says, whatever you desire, I will do it for you. That's not the way relationships work these days, at least as far as I understand. It's like, whatever I desire, do it for me. Isn't that what people think these days? It's kind of like, relationships are, are, are pretty much about me. What I can get out of this thing. But this relationship that he had with John, that he forged with Jonathan, was whatever you desire, you yourself desire, I will do it for you. What's amazing is that even after Jonathan died, years later, David, you know, he's got a kingdom to run, he's, he's famous, he's run all kinds of battles, you know, he's, he's got this huge uh, uh, palace grounds, and he's got people around his table, all these things. And, you know, he gets up in the morning, he's having his devotion, and all of a sudden he says, you know what, I really feel like doing something kind for the descendants of Jonathan. In other words, Jonathan's been dead for many years, and yet he, in his heart, he says, my loyalty extends to Jonathan even beyond the grave, right? And then he went, he did a search to try to find out, is there anybody from the household of Saul, of Jonathan's descendants? I think it's ironic and, and beautiful that the Bible actually says, from the household of Saul, because that was, of course, his nemesis, right? He wanted to bless somebody and honor somebody because of the commitment that he made in a bond of friendship. That's loyalty. That's powerful. Now, before I I close, I do want to come back to one issue, and that is the issue of courage as well. Because if we're going to be like David in our day, we're going to need loyalty and we're going to need courage. Courage is something that is sad to say, is really, really lacking in our generation. It's striking to me how weak people are when they're they're threatened with being canceled, you know, then they go quiet and they clam up and, oh, I don't want to say anything. What if somebody doesn't like me anymore? And it's it's amazing how the enemy has so... uh, uh, put pressure on us and so deceived us that, that this generation of people won't stand up for something. It's, it's amazing to me the things that are happening in our generation and around us, and yet so few people will stand up and speak about it. You guys have got to know who Riley Gaines is, don't you? Anybody here know who Riley Gaines is? One? Seriously. Any, any, let me see. Riley Gaines? Oh, you see? You see? Riley Gaines was a 12-time, uh, what they call it, in sports when you're like the all-American swimmer from the University of Tennessee, and she had a race against this, this person who was a man, a man, okay? Okay? In the NCAA championship, she races against this this person who one year was Glenn Thomas, I think it was, and then he changed his name to Leah Thomas, and he he was a poor racer in the men's category, so in his senior year, he says, I'm going to put on a skirt, and I'm going to compete against the girls. Now, this should be absolutely not allowed in any way, shape, or form, but people just clam up. People don't say anything. Why don't they say anything about something that is so ridiculous? And not only is it ridiculous like that, that same man showed up in the woman's locker room together with all the girls and stripped down naked. The only person to say anything about it was Riley Gaines. Why? Why have we, why have we created that kind of a, of a generation? Why, why is it that this generation is so weak? Well, something bad might happen to me. Yeah, something very bad is happening in our country, in our world. Come on, stand up and have a backbone. Riley Gaines stood up and said something. (laughs) You know, she, she really has courage, like David. And I tell you what, we need courage in this generation because it's in short supply. For this, you know, she started to, to speak in places. She went to speak in San Francisco at San Francisco State University. And people gathered outside her, sp- her speech. And when the speech was over, they came in. These were uh, aggressive, rioting, transgender, and all of whatever the, the, that crowd was. And they beat her. They physically beat her. She had to be carried away. And, and for three hours, they were outside aggressively yelling threats to kill her. But she doesn't stop. Riley's a good example of courage. We need more people like Riley. Riley, by the way, is a Christian. Okay. She gives glory to God. She says, in all of these things happening to her, she's gotten so much closer to Jesus. And why wouldn't she? Because she has put on the robe, she's put on the cloak. She She's put on something, she's not just sitting there in the pews, she's standing up for something. Beloved, the Bible promises us that in the last days, the church of Jesus Christ will be like the house of David. And even the feeble among us are going to be like David. That means that we're going to grow a backbone. And that, beloved, we are going to be radically, intensely loyal to each other. Loyal to our calling. Loyal to our leaders. I mean, David, bless his heart, he was loyal even to King Ashes. He was loyal even to the the king of the Philistines. He was loyal to the core. Everything about him was loyal. Loyal. I, um, before I close and I've only got a couple minutes one of my um, co-workers in China was in prison and the moment that I heard that he got out of prison I dropped everything I was doing and I flew to where he was and uh, I figured he was probably being followed at the time but whatever we met uh and uh, I washed his feet. I just was led, led of the Lord. I, I, went, I flew up there, and uh, I, I met, met him in a hotel room. And I said, brother, I just need to wash your feet. And you know that brother, today, he has helped us start. It's either seven or eight Elam Bible campuses. Elam Bible Institute campuses. We have we have campuses of Elam all over China. This brother, I, it was it was an act of devotion, of brotherly affection, of loyalty that I sowed into this relationship, and all of these years later, I'm reaping from that act. No, it's not one individual act. Obviously, we've. We've developed this relationship over time. But beloved, my point is, is that loyalty, sowing loyalty, you will reap it. And if you sow loyalty like David did into the lives of people who are distressed and in debt, they will turn around and they will become warriors like you one day. Beloved, these are principles. If you take these two things as an Elam student, and out of this place and you take it out into this world you will make a difference a huge difference finally I'll take one last story about courage this is a bible that was printed by a guy it was given to me by his son actually because the guy was no longer around when it was given because this bible was printed in an underground press in China during the cultural revolution When it was discovered, this man was taken to a a sports field, a stadium, and he was publicly executed. But in those days, the Bibles that they used, that he produced because of his courage, inspired the lives of so many people to give themselves to God. Beloved, in the last days, we are going to be like David. Anybody want to be like David out there? Anybody want to be? Hallelujah. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you so much that today in this place, you are depositing that kind of a a spirit. It's, It's part of your generosity in these last days. Before you come back, you're going to do something so remarkable in the earth that it's going to transform us. It's going to make even those who are weak among us to be strong Like David, it's going to be so transformative that the church of Jesus Christ will arise up and will reach and realize her destiny as the bride of Christ. Lord, I thank you so much for these that are here today. God, implant this word into their hearts, Lord God, and let it transform them today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.